0: So the book of 2 Timothy was written while uh, the Apostle Paul was sitting in the Mamertine prison uh, in 66 A.D. after he had already received his death sentence. He's on death row right now, and he's writing to his uh, son in the faith, Timothy. And so it's an interesting time. The persecution of the church really kicked off in 64 A.D. after the great fire of Rome. It's, It's said that Caesar Nero, who was the... You know, the Roman emperor at the time set, you know, half of uh, Rome on fire because he wanted to do this big uh, rebuild um, in his own image of Rome. And he blamed it on the Christians. So there was a lot of support to go ahead and and go after the Christians. And this was a time of great persecution like, you know, the church had never seen before. They had already they they had always been hated and kind of rejected and outcasted. But now the persecution was ramping up to levels unparalleled. And so he's writing this, and I want us to to focus on the first 11 verses. And I want us to to really pay attention on the instructions of boldness that Paul is writing to Timothy. And I want us to understand that we are emotional creatures, you know. Emotions are not bad, but being controlled by our emotions are not good. So I want to take a, a... I want us to really grasp our emotional state, and I want us to really pay attention to the mindset that Paul is encouraging Timothy to adopt during this difficult time in his life. So let's read the first verse right now, and let's let's chew it a little bit. So he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, In Christ Jesus. So we're gonna pause there because who is he writing to? Timothy, there we go. He's writing to Timothy. You think Timothy needed to be reminded of who Paul was? I think he knew who Paul was, right? So he was more than just a mentor to Timothy, he was more than just a teacher, he was he was a father figure to him. It's like so why did he go ahead and introduce himself? I think it was for a couple of reasons. One, Paul understands we can be prisoners of the moment, right? It's like um, we can have a certain view on on somebody or something, and then something happens, and then our whole mindset kind of just changes, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a sports fan. I'm, I like mixed martial arts. And I can remember a few years back, you guys have probably even heard the name Connor McGregor, right? He was like the golden child. Everybody, he couldn't do, no, he couldn't lose. He was Mr. Invincible. And then now... You kind of listen to the mainstream people like, oh, he was overrated. You know, he's a bomb. He's washed up. All this stuff and just how certain things could change your perspective. Certain little instances can change your perspective on somebody else. And so he still reminded, no, Timothy, I'm still me. Nothing's changed. Yeah, I'm sitting here on death row, but it's me. And I think he did it for himself as well. Because we're carnal people. We're fleshly people. Sometimes we can get on our own little pity potties, huh? When things go bad, it don't go much worse than what he was experiencing, right? It was the harsh, harshest harshness that you could think of. He's about to be beheaded. He understands. He knows. He's about to die. And so, in our, in our, I could imagine what he's thinking in his flesh. Oh, yeah, yeah. God has taken his anointing away from you. Look at where you're at. Oh, you really are favored by God? So, no, he he reminded himself with the truth. The truth of his identity and who he is. Who is he? He is an apostle of Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that in situations and circumstances. Because the circumstances want to go ahead and weigh on your mentality. They really pull out and they pull from your flesh. And he's like, no, I'm an apostle. I'm, I'm in this position and it's not because... You don't become an apostle because of your will, because of your desire to become an apostle. You're an apostle because you're chosen by God for a specific job. He says, okay, I'm an apostle. I'm living right now, and I'm living in the will of God for me. And then what does he says? No, I'm not facing death. I'm facing life. Life in Christ. So it was that mindset that he was adopting as he goes ahead and he introduces himself to Timothy. And then he says to Timothy, he says to Timothy... My beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. This shows us the type of heart that we're supposed to have, regardless of our circumstance. And I mean us as as the children of Christ, children of God. In his current condition, he found it important to pray for other people. And he was limited in in roles that he was used to going ahead. He wasn't able to go to the synagogues anymore, to the market, his missionary journeys. He wasn't able to do these things, but you know what he could still do? He could still pray. He could pray, and he prayed, he did, fervently. But the only problem with Paul is he just prayed twice a day, night and day, right? That's it. So he could always partake... um, We could always partake in in ministry. Like Pastor Mick was saying, you know, there's a prayer ministry that's going on tonight. And I'm not complaining, but I always see the same old faces. And your faces are beautiful, okay? I like seeing your faces. Keep bringing your same old faces, okay? But I want to see some new faces. Because sometimes we look at certain ministries and we think, ah, you know, it's... I don't got time for that. You know, it's not that big. of No, it's a huge deal. Whatever ministry that you can get involved in, get involved in it. There's power in prayer. You know, he wasn't minimizing his role at this moment. He's like, yeah, I'm confounded. I'm on death row. There's not much I can do. I'm praying for you. And this is what I'm praying for you. Ma'am, prayers activate work. Prayers activate something. It's like we're, we're speaking to God. God hears those prayers, and there's action being taken on behalf of those prayers. They're big. It's, it's huge. It's not a small ministry, it's a big ministry. And so he's praying that God would give him grace, mercy, and peace. And then he continues and he says, Longing to see you, he's speaking, okay, to Timothy, I'm longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He met Timothy in an uh, in act 16 during his second missionary journey to Lystra. Uh, during his first missionary journey is whenever he probably met Timothy's mother and grandmother. And so as he's sitting in his cell, he was sitting in the Mamertine prison in a dungeon. It was a, a, a very not nice place to be. He's remembering. You know, he was remembering whenever he encountered him. He was remembering the good things, and he was saying, and he was remembering the success that he had had in his ministry. Because sometimes, whenever we're in bad situations, we need to remember good things. We need to switch our mindset on the negative that's before us and start thinking about the positive things, the right things. And FYI, like if if you've ever drawn closer to God uh, through the teaching of Pastor Mick, or come to faith in Christ, or had breakthroughs. Tell them every once in a while. Let them know. It's an encouraging thing. But also, it says right here, there's a word, sincere faith. Because of the sincere faith of Lois and Eunice, he says that they had, which that word sincere faith can be translated to unhypocritical. Unhypocritical, what does that mean? That means authentic. That means they're the same people around a bunch of people that they are around a small group of people. That faith that they display out in public is the same uh, uh, faith that they display in private. They're the same people in church that they are out of church and everywhere else. And they were saying, and he's saying, that had a huge impact on you, I'm sure. As you go ahead and you display that same thing, it's the same thing that I saw in them. It's the same thing that I see in you. And that needs to remind us, too, that our attitude it, it influences the, the people that we have that are in our sphere of influence. Like we all have people that we're, uh, that God has given us a special relationship with. And if we really want to have an impactful, lasting uh, impact on them, then we need to see, man, hey, is this type of relationship that I have this real, this authentic? Because these women had played such a role um, just by the way that they lived that impacted somebody like Timothy who had a major impact on the early church. Without people like Timothy, we wouldn't be here. And so Lois and Eunice played a huge role in the life of him. Right? And so he's, so he's reminding him of that. And he's reminding his young protege to do what? To rekindle. To, to kindle afresh. Why is, he, why is he reminding him that? Because without using the abilities that God has given to you, and he's given all of us abilities, whenever we start thinking like, I don't know what abilities he has, I don't know if you've been paying attention. God has given you abilities. God is not going to give you nothing. Right? God gives you something. And whenever we don't use those abilities, for the right purposes, for the right reasons, we let them get dormant, we neglect them, they fizzle out. They dry up and they get stale. And he's telling not no, rekindle that, rekindle that. Why? Because, man, fire attracts people. Just like that fire that happened a year ago, it attracted people, right, James? Yeah. I was out there watching it happen. It was a very small group. Then I look around, getting bigger, bigger. People that came from, people that go to our church showed up. People that go to a, another church showed up. People that used to go to our church showed up. People that never went to church in their life showed up. Everybody was just watching. It attracted people. But what happens whenever you don't feed the flame? It dies. Right? If you want to attract people, start a fire. But don't really start a fire, right? But, (laughs) yeah, don't start a fire. Scratch that. Let's rewind. Uh, Restoke the fire within you. Restoke that thing. Get it going. I'm a desert rat, born and raised in the desert. Some of us know, you know, whenever we used to go out and party in the desert, and that's not good, okay? But I'm saying, when you used to go party in the desert, the telltale sign that the party was over is when the fire died. The fire goes down. It's like, all right, it's time to go. It's the same thing. See, whenever things go good for us, right, when the emotions are high, whenever, man, it's easy to be excited. It's easy to tell people about church. It's easy to tell people about the relationship that you got with God when things are going well. Boom, that's easy, right? But it's that time whenever you know, things don't go your way, whenever there's hardships that come. It's easy to serve whenever things are going well, but whenever things ain't going so well, it's, it's like you know, I don't, I, my emotions are down here. I don't even really want to go to church this week. You know, you should have heard. You should have heard the way that my son spoke to me this morning. You know. Or, not my son. My son, is, he's a good boy. But, you know, I'm talking about you. <laughs> now, we have all of these things. We've got all these emotions. And we're like, well, that's the time when we've got to stoke the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, Timothy and Paul found themselves in a place where it's going to be pretty important for them to rekindle that afresh. To stir it up, man. Because uh, the world is trying to go ahead and pour uh, pour. Water, cold water on the fire that they had. That's what the devil wants to do, and he's he's about to tell Timothy one of the more, you know, popular verses that we have in all of Scripture. And check this out in verse seven. It says, "God has not given us a spirit of what, timidity, timidity or fear, right? Timidity or fear, but of what? Power and love and discipline. Boom! I love that power." Love and discipline or self-discipline or control, depending upon your translation. This is what God has given to us, you see, because everybody experiences emotions. Everybody experiences fear. If you say that you've never been afraid, you're lying, and we all know it, okay? Everybody experiences fear, And, and fear is an emotion that's not good or bad, okay? It's just an emotion. But what we do behind those emotions matter, right? If we're controlled by anything, people get controlled by anger, and then they become harmful to ev- to a lot of people in a lot of different type of ways, right? People get controlled by pursuing happiness and just being happy all of the time, and they become irresponsible and it impacts the life of the people that are closest to them. And then there's other people they're controlled by fear, and it causes them to freeze. It causes them to be ineffective in anything that they got going on. And he's and he's telling them, hey, I'm trying to put myself in the in the shoes of Timothy. Timothy, he was going through some fear. We got to look at his life. Okay, he started off ministry as, he was a young man. And people looked down on him because of his youth. And then he was surrounded by a bunch of Gnostics. He was surrounded by a bunch of of false prophets, false teachers. And he was called to go to war, to wage war against those people. And then, you know, the persecution's popping off. And all of his friends are getting arrested and killed. and, And the person that was his mentor, the spiritual giant, right, that he looked at, that's the guy right there, Paul. He was about to get beheaded. So he was dealing with a little bit of fear. You know, I can, I can understand that. And so what is Paul telling him? Paul reminded him, he said, you know those doubts that you're having of your lack of competency, your lack of strength, your lack of wisdom, all of those things that are coming and those ain't coming from God. See, we, we experience these things too, that negative talk in our mind. Oh, you're not that. You, you know, you remember what you did. You know who you are. I know who you are. All of these things. And Paul's like, hey, all that stuff that you're, that you're filling your mind with, I want you to know that's not coming from the Lord. It's coming from your own carnal weakness. It's coming from the outside world. It's coming from the devil himself, the enemy himself. But it ain't coming from the Lord. That's the spirit that he hasn't given you. He's given you a different spirit. What, what kind of spirit has he given him? Come on. Power, love, and self-discipline. Discipline. I love that. So that's what he has given to you. What is power, guys? Power is the enablement to do whatever God has required of you to do. Whatever, whatever God has called you to do, whatever task he has called you to carry out of you, are able to carry it out. Because God is never going to give you a task that you are unable to complete. So what is love? It's demonstrated first to God, and then to others. And it's demonstrated to God through obedience to Him, and it's demonstrated to others through a self-sacrificial life. And then, what is discipline? Discipline is sensibility. Sensible, right? My emotions can cause me to think and behave irrationally. You understand? I mean, shoot, man, two years ago, right, everybody was freaking out because the boogeyman's around the corner. They stopped going to work, got, going to church, they walk around with diapers on their face, you know what I'm saying? It, we're going to get God? We know how emotions can go ahead and trick us. We know how fears can trap us. And he's like, no, 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 you got a, you got a spirit of power, of love, and discipline. That's from God. So we got the ability to think clearly with the wisdom that God has imparted on us. Amen? Amen. Check this out in verse 8. Therefore, as a result of me reminding you this, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Therefore, as a result of me reminding you that which you already knew, but I needed to remind you that God has granted you the spirit of power, love, and discipline, then let that control your thinking. Let that control your thinking. Don't be ashamed. See, back then, if you were crucified, right, in the Jewish mind, you were cursed by God, right? And in the Roman mind, it was like, the lowest of the low people were the ones that were crucified. You were the worst criminals. And not only like, not Roman citizens, but like you were like a slave, you know, type of person. And you were like the lowest of them. So you having a God that you served that was crucified was mocked and ridiculed, right? Now, we might not be able to understand the gravity of, of that mindset back in the days, but we live in a culture and society that mocks and ridicules our faith Regularly, because this is the way of the world. This is what they do. And what did Jesus tell us? Remember that if the world hates you, it first hated him, right? So this is it. So we can understand that mindset. And Paul also took the mindset like, "Hey, I'm not a prisoner of Rome." That's what he he adopted while he's sitting in he's sitting in a Roman prison in a dungeon. He's like, "I'm not a prisoner of Rome." well, it sure looks like I'm a prisoner of Rome, right? But he's like, no, nah, I'm not a prisoner of Rome because he understood ultimately God has the final say. Whether he, gets, whether he gets beheaded, whether he gets released, whatever it might be, God has the final say. Rome has no power over Paul. Hey, the Roman Empire and all of its beauty, power, and glory is gone, Right? We look today, Rome's gone. You you got ruins that are still around, but Rome is gone. Hey, we're still here. The the church of Christ is bigger, stronger, more powerful and beautiful than than it's ever been. Amen. And so he understood that, man, if we live our days reminding ourselves the truth reminding ourselves of our purpose reminding of our, ourselves of our calling and our position in Christ right if we can focus on those things if we can remind ourselves daily to not be moved by our emotions but the truth and be led by the spirit of God that he has placed within inside of us if we can focus our minds on the fact that we're in, we are we're in a favored position And we find ourselves, wherever we're at, in the place where God has us. I'm not where the circumstances have led me. I didn't just so happen to stumble upon this place. No, I'm I'm exactly where God has me. This is where He wants me to be. And then I think I can walk in confidence and victory pretty easily, amen? See, mindset is huge for a believer. The mindset of a believer is going to determine your attitude. And the attitude of a believer is going to determine your success. Be, because if you, uh, you walk around, you know, an emotional being, and, and you're, you're just this, you know, whiny, you know, wimpy, negative person, you're going to impact people, but for the wrong reasons. You're going to say, whatever you got, I don't want. That's what they're going to say. But if you walk around victorious, confident, knowing your position as a loving, redeemed brother and sister, man, you're going to make an impact. It's going to be a positive one. It's going to be a strong one, a mighty one. Your behavior, right, it matters. Your mindset matters. So, and we're not done, by the way. But I, I wanted us to really just understand that today, man. Our emotions lie to us. You remember what the Word of God tells us about our heart? It's deceitfully wicked. Who could know the depths of its depravity? Oh, my heart wants what it wants. Well, hey, you need to quit listening to your sneaking heart. (laughs) It's depraved, man. Your mindset matters. We're not done. It says verses 9-10. through We're going to read this. This is what God has done. He says, Who has saved us and He has called us with a holy calling. Listen to this. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who did what? Abolished death. And he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. From all of eternity reminds us something. Time itself is something that has been created by God. Isn't that crazy to think about? We're prisoners of time. We live in time. Our God lives outside of that. Wow. And we're invited to live there with him. Wow. And there will be uh, a, a place outside of that time where the fear of of death and the grave have no power. They can't even set foot into that time, into that, in that place. We're invited to be there with him in that place. We can reside in that place outside of time and outside of death. Because the appearing of Jesus Christ has brought us a better standing of eternal life and immortality than than ever before. By his resurrection, what did he prove, right? He proved that death had no authority over him or his believers. By him appearing in flesh reminds us and tells us that, hey, we have a flesh to look forward to in that resurrection. We're going to be living forever with him outside of time. See, the gospel is a beautiful thing. The gospel means what? Good news. There ain't no better news than that. So, I'm going to share with you guys the gospel, and then we're going to get into communion, and it's very important for us. If you guys have been planning like you come in, and it's just the church thing. We go ahead and we do communion. Communion means nothing to you if you haven't received the gospel. Matter of fact, stay away from communion if you haven't received the gospel. Book of Corinthians, it tells us that there have been judgments that falls on people that take communion and they don't have the right heart. They ain't right before God. So I'm going to explain the gospel real quick. The, the truth and the reality of it is you've got to understand the bad news that we're in a fallen society. We're in a fallen world, and you're a fallen creature. And you're a sinner, but it's okay because we're all sinners. So if you feel like I'm talking to you, I am talking to you, but I'm also talking to me. We're sinners. We've broken God's rules, and as a result of us breaking God's rules, we're not allowed in His perfect kingdom. Because God can't allow people that are going to be rule breakers into His perfect kingdom, or else that perfect kingdom ain't perfect no more. So we got a problem. We're barred from entering into His perfect kingdom. So he says, you know what? I'm going to show them something. I'm going to give them my set of rules. I'm going to give it so they can go ahead and look at it. And the more that we started looking at it, the more that we realized, well, we even got a bigger problem because all of these rules that he's given us, we can't do. Try, try as we may. We can't do it. Even in our hearts and our minds, we're constantly in rebellion against these set of rules that he's given to us. And he says, ah, now they're starting to get it. Now now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do something else for them. I'm going to come and I'm going to show them how living out this life perfectly looks like, and that's exactly what he did. He came in human form in the person of Jesus Christ to live a perfect life that none of us were capable of living. It says that he who knew no sin ended up becoming sin because what he did is while he was on that cross, he says, I'm going to pay for all of the bad things that you have did because there was a time whenever we were going to have to take account, we are going to stand before that God and he was going to have all of our sins right before us and we weren't going to have a defense for ourselves at all so whenever he casted us out he would have been a hundred percent right and we would have had no complaint he said this is what i'm going to do i'm going to go ahead i'm going to take all of that stuff that you had i'm going to take it upon myself on the cross and that's exactly what he did for us and he says in exchange for all of your sin all of your bad stuff i'm going to give you my score my score of perfection i'm imputing and i'm giving to you but it's not to everybody, right? It's to those that receive him as Lord and Savior because that's what the Bible says. Those that confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be forgiven. That's only the people that have received Jesus Christ. And so whatever he came, whenever he came to live that perfect life, he came to give you an option. That's what he came to do. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then whenever you die and you stand before God, you will be held accountable for everything that you've done. And trust me, you don't want to be held accountable for what you've done. Even if you're a good person, you're not a perfect person. You might be good compared to me. But you ain't good compared to God. So you've got to get your heart right with God. We're all sinners. We need to come before God. We need to ask for forgiveness. And we need to say, you know what, I'm a sinner. I've broken your rules. I acknowledge that. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live the way that you want me to live. I want want to invite you to become the Lord and Savior of my life. And once we do that, we have eternal security. That's the good news. The good news has to be understood. Hey, I was going to hell. This world is going to hell. But Jesus Christ came to rescue me from hell. He came to take me a place outside of time, outside of death, outside of corruption, outside of sin. He He wants to take me there and he wants to take everybody there. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said yes to Him, and what does that mean to accept Him as your Lord and Savior? Basically acknowledge, hey man, the way that I'm living ain't right. I'm going to find out how you want me to live, and I'm going to live that way. Because you're my Savior, but I want you to be my Lord too. It's a package deal. Lord, that means He's the boss. That means I'm not. That means however He's called me to live, that's what I'm trying to do. Amen? Amen. So if that's you today and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to pray for you. So if you've never done it before, maybe you have before, but then you're like, I don't know if my heart's been right with God, then I want to pray for you, pray with you and for you. So if there's anybody in here today, he says, confess me before men, you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father was in heaven. So if there's anybody in here today wanting to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, go ahead and raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. I see you, brother. Praise the Lord. Anybody else in here want to receive the Lord? All right, I'm going to give you one more chance. <laughs> I'm going to do it, going once, going time. Nah, that that's we're here for you, bro. Praise the Lord. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to close our eyes together, and I want you to just repeat. You could repeat it out loud. You could repeat it in your heart and in your mind. For the rest of us that have received Jesus Christ as our Lord, and say we're going to pray for our brother. We're going to pray that God cements him. In his decision to follow him. And so just repeat this prayer after me. There's nothing magical about this prayer at all, okay? It's just you asking God and inviting him into your heart. So we're going to close our eyes and we're going to pray Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I have broken your rules. I am sorry. I do not want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. I pray that you would forgive me and cleanse me of my sins. And from this day forward, I commit my life to you. Do in me whatever you want, use me however you will, show me how to live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now what we're about to do right now is take